0: Hello, everybody. Pablo here for the official Cello Toys podcast on Grapple Arcade. Now, before we get into the show, hosted this week by Steven Jackson, who's going to take you through the life and career of Hayabusa, who just happens to have a figure with Cello Toys. Cella have passed along some very important information that I feel that it's very worth your while for me to let you know about. So, the Wembley Chase version of Giant Haystacks will be available for pre-order in the next couple of weeks, and they have just posted a sneak peek of that figure, and I am blown away by it And I'm sure you will be too Uh, People should start receiving Their Bull Nakano figure in late September Into October And again, it, it just blows my mind That there's a Bull Nakano figure out there And I will be owning more than one That is for sure uh Hayabusa is still available on the site uh via our website. People are already scalping so don't get scalped. Uh we only have small Hayabusa numbers left and uh Dynamite Kid and Ethan Page will be shipping next uh, but they did get delayed because of COVID, uh, but they're doing everything they can to get these out as soon as possible. So uh just a little news update there and I'm going to pass you straight along to the wonderful Stephen Jackson. Enjoy the show.
1: So hello everyone it's Stephen Jackson and I'm delighted to be presenting the official Cello Toys podcast. Today I am delighted to be joined by Brett FMW who is one of the most avid and lifelong fans of FMW Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling on the planet. So how are you doing Brett? Thank you I'm, I'm doing good. No, thank you. And we've, I'm very excited as um, the team are because recently Cello Toys have just released a figure of um, Hayabusa, um, the one of the aces of FMW, and I've seen the um, actual the figure online, and it looks absolutely phenomenal it looks fantastic you know it's such a great likeness to him his whole attire and you know i just can't wait to buy one myself you know they just look because i'm such a big fan of Hayabusa myself and you know you can actually go to cello toys now and you can order one um and it's got all the details of the shipping and they have been shipping for the past few weeks but um have you got one yourself Brett i meant to ask you that before we started recording have you got one of the figurines
2: yes i got it it looks great uh i have it i have it with my hayabusa collection of all the other figurines (laughs) and everything it's right there with the rest of them yeah
1: um yeah it looks awesome you know i love the um i love the whole um packaging as well you know with the great um portrait shot of hayabusa as well and his whole you know mask and everything he's such a Amazing! Or he was such an amazing wrestler and just such an amazing, you know, mystical character. You know, like I said off air, you know, when I first discovered Hayabusa, it was through the wrestling channel, as any British fans who are listening may have discovered FMW and Hayabusa through in the early 2000s. So this, again, is going to be a great experience for me, being able to learn more about uh, Hayabusa's career. And, you know, especially in line with the um, recent um you know, release of his figurine and his figure. You know, it's exciting. So, um, so just to start as well, we're, we're going to go through it kind of chronologically. So, what was um, Hayabusa's childhood actually like,
2: and what um, what was it like from growing up? So, when he was. Um young boy he actually his parents lived at his grandparents inn it was a very successful um hot springs inn like you know hotel that um many people from southern japan would go to some even some celebrities for the the local celebrities would go there so it was kind of a big deal and so they his grandparents made a lot of money off of it and his parents like i said were living there and so um Hayabusa, his real name Eji Ezeki, um he you know was living there as a young boy and he uh, – but uh, eventually his dad actually got into a fight with the, uh, his grandfather who, like I said, ran the inn. And so Ezekiel and his mom and dad ended up moving away from the inn a couple hours away because of the fight. They couldn't live together anymore. Well, um, so – uh, Hayabusa, ezeki ends up, li- you know, going to school and for a couple years living in this other area until um, something happened. I mean, there- and, and Ezeki himself, Hayabusa does not even know what uh, what ended the feud between his dad and his grandfather. But he ends up, they end up moving back to uh, Kumamoto, which is where he's from, and they go back to living in the inn and the and the hot springs inn and. So at this point, though, Hayabusa is now, you know, nine, 10, third, third fourth grade, three, or grade four, nine, years old. But he's lived in this other area for a couple of years now. And so it's just it's a culture shock to go back there. The kids, they they're just different. They have different accents. Um, they make fun of him like he's kind of a social uh, misfit or, you know, outcast uh, now because he's just he can't adjust to the move. And so he doesn't really make the too many friends, you know, at like I said, eight, nine, 10 years old or so. And so he ends up just staying in the inn take at his parents or grandparents inn and just living life there. And, you know, he would watch TV and while watching TV, there was wrestling on and he saw Mil Mascaris and he didn't even know what this was, but he, he was like, wow, this, this mask is amazing. You know, this, this outfit, I, I want to watch this. And so he ends up, Getting into wrestling, watching wrestling every week. Well, his grandfather actually sees that. He, hey, he's watching wrestling. I, I'm a re- his grandfather is actually a wrestling fan too, and he takes him to a all Japan women's show. And so, uh, as as he, as a, as a boy ends up going to his first wrestling show with his grandfather, and he sees the midgets wrestling, he sees all uh, this these uh, the women wrestling, and he comes away with it, and he just loves it. And now he's like obsessed with wrestling. And as he gets older, he's still just watching wrestling every week. And uh, he ends up eventually uh, Tiger Mask pops up on the screen and he falls in love with Tiger Mask. And again, the costume, the outfit, the mask, the the way he wrestles is just amazing to him. And he ends up becoming friends with the kids at the school. Finally, after, like I said, kind of being an outfit. Uh, you know, a um, outcast, he ends up becoming friends with the uh, friend uh, with the, the boys at school because of wrestling. And they're uh, cause they're all of them are into tiger mask. And yeah. so like I guess, so he just kind of becomes, you know, one with the friends because of wrestling. And so it ends up building up more and more. Hey, I really like this wrestling. I, you know, like I said, he loves tiger Mask. He loves how much he's fast. He moves and everything. The ironically enough though, he so he's love you know he loves new japan he loves tiger mask he does not like all japan and because he he does not like all japan pro wrestling because there's another ju- uh, junior heavyweight unlike tiger mask not as good not as fast but he's like claiming to be just as good as tiger mask and that's at sushi onita and so uh, hayabusa grows up hating at sushi onita as a, <laughs> as a young boy He's not Tiger Mask. What's this guy thinking? He's Tiger Mask. He's not, nowhere in the league of Tiger Mask, and here he is thinking he's as good or he's the junior. You know, he's the equivalent to Tiger Mask. No. So that'll go into a little bit later of Hayabusa just kind of growing up, never really liking Onita.
1: <laughs> wow, I actually that's something I never knew about Brett. That's an exciting one for me to ask about later on. Um. So, so in terms of Tiger Mask as well, I take it that that was around. Um, i take it as tiger mask one because yeah have that's I am tiger mask. yes i yes i am yeah so that's around like the 80 sort of early 80s so sort of yeah 82, 81 82. 82 so he's about yeah. 12
2: 13 14 at this point
1: yeah. yeah timeless matches I can imagine watching those as a kid that you'd just be completely enthralled by watching you know tiger mask at that point so even now when you watch how he moves and things it's just phenomenal you know just unbelievable Yeah, um, and,
2: and he, sorry and he would just say he would say like hey I, we would me and the other kids they would do tiger mask moves out on the on the <laughs> school ground <laughs> so wow. they're trying to be tiger mask they pl- playing around and everything that's who kids wanted to be back then
1: <laughs> oh yeah i can imagine you know why wouldn't you want to be tiger mask you know it's just uh yeah, definitely would want to, you know, mimic of all people, Tiger Mask. Um, definitely someone to look up to in terms of uh, junior heavyweight wrestling, absolutely. So when um he finally did kind of get integrated into the school network and, you know, he was feeling more comfortable, as you just said, from coming back into the town and things, when he grew up through um, college, so when he was kind of growing up through um, his teens, did he, um, was his, was Hayabusa's plan always to be a wrestler? And, um, as you've just said, um, they were fans, uh, his friends were fans of wrestling. Did they go into kind of amateur wrestling together at all or wrestling, um, as
2: teenagers to kind of get an experience of what it would be like? Uh, so in at, at high school he did judo. Uh, that was actually mostly what, because you had to join a club. So uh, he he did judo, and so he gained some martial arts skills there. But it was actually it it was college where he kind of you know his love and passion for wrestling kind of came out because at the college that he went to they had kind of like it, it was, it's called um, university wrestling, where essentially there is a amateur promotion wrestling promotion at the college. And so a bunch of the other students at this college, they kind of are running wrestling shows. And, you know, he loves, he, you know, we've established he loves wrestling, but he's, he's kind of skinny. The, the whole thing with Hayabusa was he's only about 160 pounds. Um, but, you know, uh, he so he's so he's only about 160 pounds. He's about six feet tall. So this is nothing. So he's really skinny. He does. He's really nervous about being uh, wrestling in pretty much his underwear. You know, these two small tights <laughs> in front of people. But, you know, just the love and the passion for wrestling. Like, no, I want to do this. I'm going to do this. I I think I can do it. And, you know, again, he had some um, athleticism doing judo. He was pretty good at judo. And so he, again, had some skills there that kind of could translate in into the wrestling ring. And there was a, a guy, a trainer there who kind of taught them the basics of how to kind of have a a match. But, you know, it's mostly kids. You know, it's a lot of backyard wrestling, essentially, but, you know, a little bit better. But, um. You know, so he's there and um, he ends up meeting another wrestler there and that wrestler would go on to become Mr. Ganeske. So Mr. Ganeske and him are both in this college wrestling promotion. And one night, all the wrestlers of the promotion, they're all hanging out and, you know, having fun and they're they start drinking and they're drinking all night and uh hayabusa ends up getting really sick from all the drinking and ends up having to go to the restroom and starts just vomiting and everything and as after he's finished vomiting he goes uh oh, never again i i'm never gonna do this again and, and and actually ends up being in the next stall over mr ganasuke was was also vomiting <laughs> and he goes hey don't say that. You're a professional wrestler now. That's what wrestlers do. We drink, okay? And <laughs> so it was kind of like, hey, you need to realize, you know, this is what the wrestlers do. And so th- they became they became friends pretty much based off that. There was a bond between Hayabusa and Ganesuke, Um, And they, you know, they both grew up as wrestling fans. And so they really became best friends through wrestling and, you know, working through the college uh, – this, like I said, kind of like this backyard promotion together. Um, so again, it was—it's kind of a really cool, interesting thing that Hayabusa is. There's names that would stick with him the rest of his life, or he's meeting at a young—you know—he's knowing about or meeting at a young age.
0: Yeah, the Gremlin Arcade. Hands up the merchandise. Dig it, ladies and gentlemen. Retro style wrestling, wrestling action figures from Jella Toys. .NET Bring the Legends, the present, and the future back to the classics. ChilletOys.net
1: yeah um that's cool. I never knew that they um had that experience i knew I knew that uh Ganesuke and uh, Hayabusa were close friends but I didn't know they met that young in their um their lives together that's um really uh, that's really funny actually that they um both met in that and you know professional wrestlers do this you know what I mean that's kind of an understatement given some of the stories we've heard from you know uh, the United States and the like you know yeah. so that's, um, but um so so from that sort of college experience, um, in terms of actual professional wrestling training, did um, FMW have a dojo or did he go through a different um, dojo, whether it be All Japan or, as you said, he, didn't, he wasn't a big fan of All Japan due to Onita or was it New Japan or how did he, how did he actually become a professional wrestler or train to become one to then go into FMW?
2: So he became – yeah, he went to the FMW dojo, and what happened was Mr. Ganesuke, he wanted to become a professional wrestler, um and that's what he wanted to do. Ganesuke wanted to be a professional wrestler, but he could not get into the All Japan or New Japan dojo because he was 5'9", and there was a limit. You had to be at least six feet to get into the dojos, and so Ganesuke tells Hayabusa – I'm going to try this out. I'm going to go to Tokyo and we're, I'm going to try and become a wrestler. You should try out with me. And Heibus is like, no, that's not, like, I don't want to do this professionally. This isn't something I see myself, like, actually doing as a job. I'm doing it for fun here at the college while I'm taking classes and stuff. Mm, I don't think so. And so Ghana's like, you sure? You know, I, I really wouldn't want you to come. I would really want you to come with me. And Heibus says, no, until the day of he decides, you know what, I'm going to try. And he doesn't tell his parents or anything like that. And he ends up sneaking out with Ganesha, and they uh, uh, end up taking a bus. And so they they live in South Japan, and it was like an eight-hour all-night bus uh, into wow. Tokyo. And so they take this bus, and they go into Tokyo. With, but whoops. They were thinking the dojo was in Tokyo, but it turns out it's actually in Sayatama, which is in another area about an hour and a half or so away from Tokyo. And so they get off this bus and they're like, where's the dojo? They have no no clue where to, you know, again, they thought it was in Tokyo. And so they end up having to get on, they end up finding their way to where they needed to go and, um, you know, take a subway for an hour and a half and then. Again, they don't know where the dojo is, and so they're just kind of walking around having no clue where this dojo is, and um, they end up just seeing a guy on the street, and they go, He looks like a wrestler he should he i think he he's going to the dojo for this tryout and so that he they end up following this guy and sure enough they were right he was also trying out fnw had put out this uh release of like hey come out and try try out we're you know taking applications and we're gonna uh see how physically fit you are and interview you and everything and Hundreds of people tried out and uh, they train or, you know, they uh, in front of Tarzan Goto, they have to, you know, do 100 push ups. They have to do 100 sit ups. They have to kind of show they know what they're doing. They have to be interviewed and everything. And out of, you know, 100 plus people that got uh, that tried out, two people made into the FNW dojo and that was hayabusa and mr ganasuke wow. no one else yeah they no one else ended up getting in it was just them two and then um so afterwards they are sent home you okay you know come back here in a week or two well then hayabusa goes back home and you know he's gonna be moving to sayatama to live in the fmw dojo well so he's got to tell his parents like hey i'm i'm quitting school And I'm going to try this out. You know, this is what I want to do. And at this point, his parents are now in charge of the inn. They're the ones running the inn. His grandparents have, you know, they're still living there, but they're not, um, they have no, you know, they're, they've retired essentially, but they're still living in the inn. So Hayabusa is at dinner, you know, having a family dinner with his parents and he tells them, hey. I'm quitting college and I'm going to try uh, and I've already been accepted into the FNW dojo. Uh, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And Hayabusa's dad gets so mad at him, starts screaming at him how a disgrace he is, you know, wrestling. What? You know, he, he's in, Hayabusa's in line to take over for this really successful uh, in, and he's going to throw that away. You know, he's pretty much telling him, I'm just, dis- you know, you're out of the family essentially. And even wow. Hayabusa's and even Hayabusa's grandfather who again is a wrestling fan took him to his re- first wrestling show is like you're skinny you're going to get killed so even <laughs> his one his one support isn't really supporting him here and so anyway he yells at Hayabusa and Hayabusa ends up leaving and staying uh staying at a friend's house and ends up just going back to Tokyo to live at the FW dojo and now he knows he can't quit because he can't go back home. He's been, you know, pretty much just kicked out of the family essentially. And so he has to live in this dojo and there's no going back essentially. And so him and Ganesuke go through the FMW dojo system and it's rough. It's Tarzan Goto waking you up at 3am going, all right, let's, let's, um, you know, spar, let's do this. And, and, Uh, You know, it's it's tough. And also they had to get a job as well because and because they're not getting paid because they're not wrestling. They're just training. So half the time you're training, you know, you're up all night training and then you got to get up at 6 a.m. And their job was essentially to make uh, beds or fix beds for um, retirement homes. And so they're working on beds throughout the day. Then you have to go and train. And like I said, it's hard. You know, they're doing all, all the And. Tarzan Goto is making Hayabusa eat all this food that he's that thinks is disgusting, but it's to help build muscle and everything. And so he's not even eating that well. He's, like I said, Tarzan Goto at 3 a.m. Okay. Uh, Everyone up, come on down to the dojo. We're Because, go- like I said, they're living in the dojo, their second floor of the dojo. So they have like, and it's not even a bed. It's like pretty much just a mat, essentially. And so they're not sleeping that well. Like I said, Tarzan Goto's going, all right, it's 3 a.m. Let's let's start training. And Tarzan Goto would do a, a technique of, I'm just going to lay on you and you try and get out. And Tarzan Goto is over 300 pounds. Yeah. And so here's, like I said, 160 pound Hayabusa trying to get out from Tarzan goto pretty much just squishing him and that's the whole that's the whole quote-unquote training that he's getting at 3 a.m knowing in three hours i gotta get up and go to work so <laughs> life was hell he, i mean this is how he boost his own words it was hell he felt it was hell and he hated it he hated every moment of it and like i said but he couldn't quit he could where what else was he gonna do he's already committed and been kicked out of his family he has to go through with this
1: wow um uh, again, no idea about, about that. And, um, you know, that him and, you know, Ganaske had to go through those experiences in the, in the dojo. I mean, just for people who, um, are, aren't aware with FMW in that much, um, you know, detail. So Tarzan Goto was one of the main, main eventers and stars of, um, FMW as was later on, uh, Mr. I mean, you know, more than me, Brett, but Mr. Um, Ganesuke. And, um, just so uh, just for a little bit of context as well so fmw when hair booster and mr Ganeske actually went for the tryout how long had fmw actually been in operation for because it kind of came to being in around the early night well it was around i believe was it the late 80s early, it early started 90s up in it
2: started up in 89. 1989. Yeah, 1989, yeah. and then this the, them trying out for the dojo was in February 1991. So it'd been a, a little, oh, almost a year and a half at this point. So it was a very new upstart promotion, but at the time there really wasn't, you know, there was New Japan and All Japan, and there really wasn't. There was one other small independent promotion at the time. There wasn't really that much access to get into the business at this point. And like I said, Donniscay probably feels like, hey, I'm uh, I'm good enough to get in, but both promotions, the big two promotions they I'm not tall enough for him so I let's go through this and like I said Hayabusa grew up hating Atsushi Onita because of his that was his childhood you know <laughs> you know he with uh, Tiger Mask that was his rival and he was on team Tiger Mask and and sure enough yeah it's FMW is Atsushi Onita's promotion the whole promotion is based around Atsushi Onita Tarzan Goto is the number 2 guy but the promotion is around Onita and building him up and being the top star he's the Hulk Hogan of the promotion
1: yeah um and you know became the um i mean he's still wrestling today at sushi <laughs> i mean he was recently at the uh, DDT wrestled peter Pan shows cuz uh, fmw which is sort of the third um so you could say version or sort of sequel it's, to fmw yeah it's just it? an option
2: it's just a, yeah, it's, option. Just, a, it's yeah. just let's start a promotion and call it fmw because people yeah know it. <laughs> yeah
1: um but uh, at the time obviously as you've mentioned unita was you know the the face and kind of as you said the hulk hogan of um of fmw so um in terms of actually um his early days then so in terms of Hayabusa's early days in fmw not in the dojo, but after training, what were his early days like being a, a, young boy, you know, so his early matches in the promotion, what were some of his memories from that time?
2: Yeah. So he had to, as a young boy, you have to pretty much set up the ring. You have to set up the chairs. Like you have a, I mean, again, you have a full-time job, but then there's also, you know, then, you, uh, there's a week or so where you go on tour and you're having to set up, like I said, set everything up. You're having to prepare everything, sweep everything, uh, get, everything ready for the wrestlers um there was there's actually a, a thing where um Corrigan Hall is probably the most famous Japanese building uh it's where all these promotions run shows and everything well his first time at Corrigan Hall he's setting up the you know like I say he's got set up the ring he's gotta make sure he's watching the audience make sure you know no one's gonna jump in the ring or whatever like he's on duty he's on making sure and there's a match with um there's a comedy match and it's with uh, a wrestler by the name of Pandita who's wearing a panda mask and Hayabusa ends up it's a comedy match and Hayabusa is looking at the ring when he's not really supposed to. And he sees like this comedy spot with Pandita that makes him laugh and he smiles and he goes, Oh crap. I just smiled. I wasn't supposed to. And then it goes back into serious mode. I hope no one saw me <laughs> gets back into the dojo that night and tarzan goto just begins to beat the crap out of him because it got reported back to him that he that he laughed so wow. like yeah so there's things like that where like i said he felt like it was hell But, you know, like I said, then he uh, ended up going, you know, going on tour and everything. And he actually ends up making his debut, not knowing that he was going to make his debut that day. He gets told that there's another wrestler and he's injured and he uh, we need you to fill in for him. And so that day, Hayabusa finds out I'm making my debut. Oh, wait, I don't have wrestling tights. How, so he ends up having to go to another wrestler who didn't like him. And can I have, you know, can I borrow your tights?
1: Oh no. And
2: so just that awkwardness there of, and, you know, he puts on the tights and everything and, and, um, has his first ever match at which, you know, Hey, you think that's great. You, you know, you're a professional wrestler, which he did. He thought that was a great moment, but also it's kind of awkward because Ganeske, he hasn't made his debut yet. And that's your best friend. And now your best friend's kind of jealous of you too. So you only have one other person there on your team. And now that person kind of, so it wasn't the greatest experience for him making that debut. Then um, his second match, Um, he ends up getting put in a match. It's a handicap match against Mike Awesome. It's him and another young boy against Mike Awesome. And Mike Awesome just begins, uh, is told beforehand, just beat the crap out of him. No mercy. And Mike Awesome goes there and just starts beating the crap out of him, punching him, hitting him, no give on any of his moves. Hayabusa afterwards, you know, is just, well, he's destroyed. He ends up walking out afterwards. He ends up vomiting blood based off that. And so you know again it's just paying your dues it's it's ma- you know having to show i i'm not going to quit it's it's a rough lifestyle and so um throughout the next year or so um, Tarzan Goto has a strict no no like high flying news policy like just do the basic of the basics and Hayabusa goes i want to show off i know some stuff i can do some stuff and so he but he's not allowed to and um, FNW ends up going to Mexico, Tijuana, in 1992. So, after about a year of, like I said, just basic, you're only allowed to do basics. Uh, Hayabusa is with Asushi Onita, and Onita goes, Hey, you're in Mexico. You should do some moves. You know, do some high-flying moves if you want to. You're free to. So Hayabusa's like, oh sweet, I can do some moves. Finally, I can do some moves off the top rope. And so he finally do- he has a match, like I said in Tijuana, and he's doing some high-flying moves and everything. And then he gets back and Tarzan Gotô. What the hell was that? You're not allowed to do high-flying moves. You know, smacks him, get starts screaming at him and stuff like that. And it's like, but Onita told me I was allowed to. So, you, you know, Onita didn't tell me that. So it's just, it's just this life of, like, oh, my goodness. Like, I finally got to do something I wanted to do after a year of, oh, I'm only allowed to do the basic <laughs> mat wrestling. And then I get, you know, chastised for it. So um, Hayabusa ends up becoming Onida's, uh assistant. And so, but then, um, which... So Ganesuke becomes Tarzan Goto's assistant, and Hayabusa becomes Onita's assistant. Well, Hay- Hayabusa thinks that's really great, and and because Onita is a lot more relaxed than uh, Tarzan Goto. You know, I mean, I've already kind of given some examples of eh, I don't think I want to be Tarzan Goto's assistant. But, and so Hayabusa is thinking it's really nice that okay, Onita is a lot better. He's a, more, a lot more relaxed. Well, the issue with that is. Hayabusa is going out to nightclubs with Onita. Onita's making all these appearances and stuff and, and hanging out with sponsors and whatnot and going, like I said, to nightclubs. Well, Hayabusa ends up getting more attention from the women at the nightclubs than Onita. And oh, yeah. <laughs> Onita does not like that and fires him for it. So, oh. <laughs> so now he ended up becoming uh, Sabu and the Sheik's uh, young boy instead because Onita did not like that hey, I'm at all these clubs and the girls are coming to Hayabusa instead of me. So he ends up becoming Sebu and the Sheik's a young boy. And, um, you know, there was – and, I mean, the Sheik kind of put it perfectly. Sheik knew – Hayabusa's the golden boy. So he's young, he's – but they all know – he has the potential to be the star. No, you know, all these other wrestlers, even Mr. goniske they they're good. You know, there's some really good wrestlers, there's some really bad wrestlers. But Hayabusa has it. And like I said, the Sheik knew it, Onita probably knew it and was and didn't like it. Um, other people knew, hey, Hayabusa has the potential to be the guy and Hayabusa himself had the attitude of I want to be the guy and even told the wrestler one day I'm, gonna the, I'm going to be the I am going to be the main guy in FMW and the the other wrestler who was Ricky Fuji is like uh this is Onita's promotion FMW is around Onita no one else is going to be the guy and Hayabusa is like no I'm going to be the guy one day
1: wow um didn't know that story about Onita and uh, Hayabusa in the um, in the nightclubs as well. I'm sure that that caused even more um, hatred and friction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> again.
2: I mean, going back to going back to Hayabusa never even liked him. Hayabusa didn't like Onita. Now Onita doesn't like Hayabusa.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's just, um, you know, it's just the um, the way of the world, isn't it? You know, it's just sort of uh, what comes around, uh, what goes around comes around. Sorry. <laughs> um. So when um. Hayabusa and FMW went over to uh, Mexico, as we mentioned, and those people who are listening have seen matches involving Hayabusa. His style was incredibly innovative, incredibly influenced by Lucha Libre um, and Mexican wrestling, both in terms of his you know, high flying maneuvers, but also just the way he moved around the ring and his attire as well. Um, was his time in Mexico where he developed the whole character of Hayabusa and his sort of um guys throughout the rest of his career was that where it came about
2: yeah so I mentioned earlier you know he was in Tijuana but that was a year prior FMW itself went to Tijuana and but he was still going by his name Ejezeki so a year later Onita says you know what let's send Hayabusa to Mexico and and they had done that to other wrestlers they had sent other wrestlers fmw wrestlers go get some experience come back and you'll be a bigger name and you know and you'll be more established and you'll have a different way of training. you know it's it's a way of yeah you know, becoming a better overall wrestler itself so there is that but hayabusa did not want to go originally because wait, I, you know, he has a, he has a girlfriend there and, you know, he's, he's found a girlfriend. He's going to leave her. He doesn't know when he's coming back. They don't tell him, Oh, you're going to come back at this day. It's, you know, when, when am I going to come back? It's when you're ready. So he doesn't even know when that's going to be. So you just, you just blindly are going to Mexico. You're going to live a different life, you know, being in a different country that you can't speak or anything. And so he gets sent to Tijuana and it. Tijuana did not work out for him. And so he and just a, a story here. So he lands in Tijuana after a long flight from Tokyo to you know Tijuana. And he ends up Damien is supposed to pick him up, WCW wrestler who was working for FNW off and yeah. on at the time. He's supposed to pick him up. Well, Haybus is just sitting there at this Mexican airport for four hours, waiting uh-huh. for Damien to pick him up. Damien finally, it's about to get dark and he's, and and actually Hayabusa's like, hey, sweet, maybe I can get to go home. No one ever picked me up. It's an excuse to get to go home. Mm, Well, I'll look like, you know, I'll look like I was scared or something if I like, you know, immediately head right back. But so he's just thinking like all this thoughts and finally after four hours, Damien pops up, gets in the car, you know, all right, come on, get on in. And Hayabusa gets in and he's like, what was, what took you so long? That was four hours and he's like, uh, it's Mexican time, baby, you know? <laughs> and so Hayabusa feels like he was baptized in Mexican time there by like learning like, hey, you know, just because I told you I'm going to pick you up at five doesn't mean I'm going to really pick you up at five. As long as I uh, pick you up, that's all that matters. And so... Hayabusa is living with Damien's family and he, but the problem is, is there's no more booking there. He's not getting booked at all. He's just sitting there and living at Damien's house for weeks, no bookings, nothing because W go to Mexico, but they didn't say like, Oh, we're going to work with this promotion or help you get booked here or anything. And so Hayabusa starts to get frustrated. Like I'm just l- living in Mexico with, you know, this family who I can't really speak anything of, you know, I can't speak with them. And so, he's so it ends up you know damien when am i gonna get booked uh, you know help me get booked for um it's wwa which um is a like uh yeah. tijuana based promotion you yeah. know get me booked with them get me booked with them and he's like uh, you know, wait, just wait, be patient, be patient. And so he gets frustrated, frustrated, just sitting here, you know, just sitting in this house in Mexico. And the only thing he can do is just go to the beach and get tan. Like that's all he can do. <laughs> and it gets to a point where he's like, why aren't you getting me booked? Why? Like, are you scared? I'm going to take your booking, you know? And, and how he was just like, I'm sorry. You know, like I, I snapped, like I apologize. Like I, I, I shouldn't have yelled at you like that. And Damon's just like, it's cool. Uh, hey, here's the reason you're not getting booked, though. Your name's Eji Ezeki. No one knows you. Like who? Like no one's gonna book some random Japanese guy. You need to come up with a gimmick. And so Hay- Hayabusa's like. Hey, that's right. I do need to. Okay, you know what? Hey, I'm in Mexico. I'm going to come up with my own mask idea. And so he spends all day, all night, and all the, you know, next day or so, just drawing masks, coming up with mask ideas. And then he comes up with the mask, this mask idea where there's no top. It's, um, you could see your hair, you know, you could see his hair and, and everything yeah. in the mask. And you know, you see uh it's it's you know, you see more of his eyes and, and whatnot. And and the um it's just it's a different mask than a typical lucha libre mask. And so Damien he goes, you know, take me to this mask guy, I want it made. And so Damien takes him to the mask guy and the, the mask guy rigid is like, No, I'm not making that. That mask is weird. that like no. And I was like, No, this is what I want. It looks cool. And so the mask guy makes it and, you know, there's the Hayabusa mask. And so Hayabusa comes up with the idea, okay, what, like, what name should I come up with and everything? And so he ends up – I'm gonna be like a falcon, I, you know. I'm gonna go fast. I want to go fast, and there's the fastest is it's a Japanese roller coaster in Japan. It's called the Hayabusa, and it's the fastest roller coaster in Japan. And based off, you know, being a Hayabusa be, meaning like falcon, fa, um, or peregrine peregrine falcon, which is the yes. fastest bird. And so Hayabusa, or you know, like you know what, that's my name. I'm gonna be Hayabusa. I'm gonna be a fast high flyer. And wow. so um so he comes up with the gimmick and everything and then okay now we're gonna um you know get me booked get me booked and now the WWE guys are like we can't you know i have a gimmick now i'm not just as i'm hayabusa i have a mask look here's my look and then they go okay well you're not trained in lucha so you have to g- report to this wrestler here and he's going to train lucha to you and so he goes to this do- this gym in tijuana And it ends up being Rey Mysterio Senior's gym. And he is learning lucha libre. Here he is, two two plus years in the business. He's 25 years old. He is learning with like eight, nine-year-olds how to do lucha libre. And he's like, Oh, this is so embarrassing. Oh, this I can't, you know. But you know what? He's not necessarily good at either. He's like these eight, nine year olds, some of them are better than me. So it's not only embarrassing the fact that you're like training with kids, but these, some of these kids are better than you and you're a professional wrestler. And so, um, so he ends up having to completely, it just, it's completely different than the Japanese style, so he has to pretty much just flip flop his brain on how to wrestle. Because it, why the kids were better than him was because he had been taught a certain way, and he needed to adjust to that. Because Lucha Libre is so, so different than Japanese style, and so he ends up tr- doing it differently and ends up getting a lot better. He gets, you know, picks up the speed a lot faster than um, normal. And there's actually a, a kid there helping train. And that ends up being Rey Mysterio Jr. He, he's helping yeah. his uncle out, and so he's sparring and doing lucha libre with Rey Mysterio, who he doesn't even really know who he is. They both don't really know who each other are. And Rey Mysterio is <laughs> like, "Hey, dude, you're pretty good at this." And Hayabusas like, "Thanks, you know. Hey, I mean, I mean, you know, again, they're different languages. They're not really talking, but it's like, yeah, I mean, I am a professional wrestler. I have, you know, but Rey Mysterio, like I said, doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know who Rey Mysterio is." Um, but again, so he ends up picking it up, and he does get booked a couple times in Tijuana, but it's like once a month. And then he ends up, um, you know, like I'm not making any money here. This sucks. Like, and what what's going on? Why am I still okay? I now I'm I have a gimmick. I'm trained. Why am I not getting booked? And Damon's just like. Mexico is going, you know, we're all suffering right now. Mexico is going through a, you know, pretty much a financial collapse, a a depression. No one in Tijuana is getting booked. And so Hayabusa ends up one time going to, just going to shows and he meets Ultimo Dragon backstage one time who was there. And Ultimo Dragon, he, you know, is working for uh, AAA at the time or... EML, EMLL. EMLL, yeah, yeah. EMLL, yeah. And um he sees Ultimo Dragon and he's like, he knows him. Hey, Ultimo Dragon has worked for uh WAR uh, promotion in New Japan at the time. And he's like, please help me get t- to Mexico City. That's where EMLL is. Get me booked in EMLL. And so Ultimo Dragon goes, okay, but you're going to have to, you know, live in me- Mexico City. And so Hayabusa leaves Tijuana, dr- uh dr- gets in the car essentially with ultimo dragon they go to mexico city and um he ends up there's a actually a hotel in um mexico city called pension amigo and that's where all the japanese wrestlers that go to mexico city that work emll or AAA they all live in this same hotel and so this actually is a lot better for him because Hey there's Japanese people there's he's got friends now um he makes friend he makes a friendship with a wrestler named K- Koji Kanemoto so like there's a bond there now you know and he ends up getting booked in EMLL. and after a while he kind of actually starts to get over and the gimmick the high, he ends up doing uh and and also he ends up learning a lot of these moves that he is well known for at ultimo dragon he's holding a school and so along with like chris jericho um there's some other wrestlers there um they're learning all these moves from ultimo dragon how to do an Osai moonsault how to do you know and hayabusa ends up creating some of these moves also while training with ultimo dragon creates the phoenix splash he create well he takes the firebird splash which is a 450 from scorpio but no one had really seen scorpio doing that too much uh in japan so he's taking all he's using, you know creating moves taking moves and so he is now a well-rounded wrestler at this point and um after a couple months he know, um he decides okay i i'm established now i'm i know what i'm doing I need to be go to Florida. I if I'm gonna come back and go to FMW, go back to FMW. I need to gain weight because the problem with Mexico, he just kept getting sick. Um, The food just never agreed with them. The water never agreed with them. He just kept getting sick so he could never gain weight. And so he ends up getting in contact with Mike Awesome and he moves to Florida. And for six months, Mike Awesome helps prepare him to to gain weight, to gain muscle and everything so that he could be – a full-fledged, like, okay, now you are ready to be one of the top wrestlers in FMW. You got the gimmick, you got the look, you got the moves, and now you're going to have the muscle and the and the body for it.
1: Wow. Um, it's fascinating to think that, you know, such a, um iconic mask and such an iconic attire was created in that kind of a situation, you know, and that he was able to basically reinvent himself within a few months and from being you know an fmw dojo young boy to being you know the the firebird hayabusa you know and and the fact that he was able to meet ultimo dragon and you know you can definitely see the influence of him and you can see the influence of you know uh, remisterio jr obviously with the um as you said the training i never actually knew the train together i knew that obviously they've been in Mexico together, but I didn't know they trained together so intimately. So that's really you know, yeah exciting they, to the know basic, as well.
2: The, well, yeah, Rey Mysterio knew the knew. It. He had been a pro for a couple of years at that point, yeah. so he was just there helping his uncle out with the students, with the kids or whatever. And then and Hayabusa, yeah, just ended up being there learning with the kids with and mm-hmm. so essentially kind of Rey Mysterio helped be a teacher to him essentially.
1: Yeah, that's I mean that's incredible. You know, it just shows the uh, the whole sort of international and worldwide worldwide journey that you know hayabusa went on so when he had gained his weight like you said he went to the united states and was with mike awesome for six months and then you know he returned to um fmw um i mean he returned to um ju- just to backtrack slightly actually from fmw um he actually returned i believe i could be i could be getting it confused here did he return during the super J cup which uh jushin thunder liger Um, created over in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and then debuted the Hayabusa gimmick over in uh, in Super Jacob, is that correct? Yeah,
2: and so that actually what helped him in EMLL so essentially what happened was Hayabusa had only been in, you know, he still was at only in Tijuana at this point, and he'd only wrestled a couple times. And FMW was like, hey, uh, Jushin Liger, he wants you in the Super J-Cup tournament. And Hayabusa's like, what's that? Like, this all-star tournament. And he's like, what's that? And he's like... Well, it's going to be the best of the best. And Liger wants to face off against you. And, you know, we want you to show, like, what you've learned in Mexico. And Hayabusa, at this point, he's, like I said, he's only been in Tijuana at this point. So he starts freaking out, going, wait, I'm going to wrestle Jushin Liger? I'm not ready. I've only had three matches in Tijuana at this point. You know, he came up with the gimmick, but he was still living at Damien's. And so he is having, like, a panic attack. And... But he ends up, you know, okay, you know, like he even calls up the FNW office. It's like, please do not have me come back. I am not ready. And they call him back like, sorry, you got to come back just for this one time. And so Hayabusa comes back, has the match with Liger and doesn't even like get to really see Liger until like right before the show. And cause new Japan was actually touring at the time. So Hayabusa was hanging out with the great Sasuke. He was hanging out with um, some other uh, super Delphin, talking He was hanging out with other Japanese wrestlers that were not, in New Japan the day of the show you know just nervous but the New Japan wrestlers like Liger like the wall they have been touring so they didn't get back until like right before the show and so Hayabusa can't even really go over the match with Liger that much before going in and he literally just gets to, like okay what are we going to do and Liger's just like let's just wing it and so <laughs> again, Liger hadn't really put that much thought into it and he's got three more, you know, a couple more matches. He knows he's going to, you know, go to the finals or semifinals of the tournament. He doesn't have time to worry about this first round. So essentially it's given to Hayabusa and Hayabusa is like, okay, I'm going to just go all out. And he ends up, you know, right at the start attacking Liger and doing a con Hilo. And he ends up doing a, uh, shooting star press, just like everything he can just pull out. And he ends up, you know, having the match, Liger wins, and he's got to go back to Mexico the next day. And so he doesn't even know, like, how did this get, was you know, I think it was a good match, but I don't know, like, how well was this received? And it actually was um about a month later or so that he ended up seeing the, um when he met Ultimo Dragon, and Ultimo Dragon actually was hanging out with Liger, that he got to see the magazine coverage of like, hey, here's, you know, this was a great match. It was uh, all the commentary on it, like, hey, this was the best match of the first round of the tournament was Hayabusa versus Liger. He didn't know anything about that. And so, um, but yeah, Hayabusa actually ended up using, like, look, you know, with EMLL to get booked by ML." See, look, I had a match with Liger. Look, I, I am a name. I'm a name in Japan because at the time he wouldn't have been, you know, no one knew of the gimmick or anything like that. And so he, he essentially got booked through EMLL because of. Uh, You know, having that Super J Cup, everything he says, everything turned around because he was in the Super J Cup tournament, the whole Hayabusa. if that would have flopped, if that match would have flopped, probably wouldn't even came back as Hayabusa. It's
1: crazy to think that, you know, I just had to get that question in, even though it wasn't put on the the, uh, Mm -hmm. messages we sent just because that match for me was when I saw that match retrospectively, you know, that whole, as you said, that tope over the top. And just obviously I grew up watching Liger and then Hayabusa came to me retrospectively. But just mm-hmm. seeing those two, the way that that's my favourite match of the tournament and my favourite Japanese wrestling match of all time. There's just something about that where it just I sit there and wonder just that like you said, the shooting star press, you know, the um the speed what they worked out, the reactions from the crowd, you know, it was just such a um, exciting, fast-paced, ahead-of-its-time, you know, encounter, you know, and like you said, although Liger went on, you know, to the semi-finals, it just wasn't, for me, that was just the the perfect match of the... I know a lot of people will have their favourite matches from the tournament, but that, for me, was just the the one which just kind of grabbed me and just, you know, made me realise that, you know... Because, because the thing is, as well, is that... Um, i'll get into here is that a lot of the times or what i'd seen of hayabusa had been predominantly uh deathmatch wrestling which is what i'm just about to ask about but that match allowed me to see you know not the death match side of things but his actual you know high flying ability and his actual wrestling ability because for a lot of his career post mexico and post the super j cup uh, Hayabusa's matches in FMW were um were death matches um and you know extreme hardcore matches and when he did return from Mexico um he actually as you mentioned earlier on um his uh, mentor slash uh, rival of many years um, when he was watching wrestling, uh, at sushi Onita, he actually faced him in a exploding barbed wire um, cage match, which has now kind of gone down in folklore as one of the most important matches in uh, FMW and sort of death match history. I mean, did, well, first of all, what was kind of his thoughts on going into that after like, um, you know, FMW had grown with Onita. And secondly, did, Or need to know it was sorry. Did Hayabusa know that it was the passing of the torch that particular match, and that it was kind of the biggest moment of his career?
2: So, yes, but there's a there's a backstory to it. So Hayabusa. He had came back to Japan one time after the Super J Cup. He went and had a match against Sabu and he beat Sabu and it was to establish Hayabusa in FMW. And while he was there, he kind of got wind of hey, Onita's retiring in a couple months. You're gonna be like the top guy. You're gonna be one of the but the problem was is Tarzan Goto, he's seniority. He's got more seniority, he's a big name. He's gonna like he's still there, but like, hey we want this promotion to be around you, even though Tarzan Goto is going to be there. And so Hayabusa um, is, you know, like I said, that that was the main reason why he went to, Florida to train with Mike awesome and it was okay I'm gonna be a heavyweight heavyweight and I'm gonna have these matches with Mike awesome like when Onita retires and this is going to be a promotion based off like good matches not hardcore matches Hayabusa did not love deathmatch wrestling he want he loves this traditional style of wrestling and he wanted to have these great matches with Mike awesome to like okay we're different than that sushi Onita promotion you know at sushi Onita FMW this is a different FMW so he went into with the mindset of like I'm going to be one of the top guys. Well, right before the show, Tarzan Goto pulls out of the promotion. He quits the promotion, and Mr. Uh, Mister Ganesuke ends up actually quitting with him. And Hayabusa was hoping for Ganesuke to stay. Um, he wanted to have great matches with Ganesuke, but it was a blessing that Goto left because, like I said— he wasn't going to have great matches with Tarzan Goto, but Tarzan Goto was going to be there and going to be one of the top guys. So the fact that Tarzan Goto left actually left an opening for Hayabusa to be the guy. And so with Tarzan, and Tarzan Goto was going to face off against that sushi Onida, but with Goto quitting the promotion right before the, re- the show, the, Uh, And Hayabusa was going to face Mike awesome at this show at Kawasaki stadium on May 5th, 1995. But right before it, because Goto left, it's okay. No, you know what? We're switching things around. You're going to face against Hayabusa or you're going to face off against Asushi Onida. And, so, Onida, uh, Hayabusa and Onita have this exploding cage match, which Hayabusa kind of felt like, dang, I've just spent the last year and a half in Mexico learning all these high flying moves. And now, the biggest showcase where 58,000 fans are going to see me first time, really, you know, getting to see me in a in a big, big match and I can't even do a high flying moves. There's no ropes. It's all exploding barbed wire and stuff. And so, you know, they have this match and Hayabusa does make, does find a way he ends up climbing up to the top of the cage and does a moonsault off of it, which at the time had never been done. Um, he really went through all throughout to, um, in this match, he went through the exploding cage. Um, there's a spot where the ring explodes after 15 minutes, and he actually is going into the cage at the moment the ring explodes. Yeah. So he gets all he gets all these scars, he gets all these burns, uh, burn marks from um, this match, and still puts on a you know a really good match. Um, Onita ends up winning. I mean, all the fans were there to see Onita, and um, but. Now Hayabusa is going to be the, the guy with Onita retiring and the promotion. The new owner of FNW is Shoshi Arai. He is a Hayabusa fan since day one. He wants the promotion to be he, – he's the reason the promotion is going to be around – based around Hayabusa. And this is going to be um, – They Hayabusa, like I said, he wants this promotion to be a traditional, strong style, good match promotion – but there's some deathmatch wrestlers still there from the Onita era that aren't leaving and so that's a whole issue but it, so it becomes this hybrid of deathmatches and traditional wrestling mixed in together which ends up making me this that's my favorite era of FMW right after Onita left because like I said there's there's a hardcore deathmatch uh, and then there's this awesome 30 minute straight match like it's whereas the Onita FMW was just you know matches until the the oneida death match now there's like i said just kind of there's there's something for everybody now um in this new fmw that hayabusa isn't the face of
1: it's um remarkable to think that you know with uh hayabusa coming back that he you know was able to rise so um so quickly in a way to be able to you know take the torch from Onita and I mean like you said that visual of um, Hayabusa being thrown into the um, exploding cage at the same time as the 15 minute mark hits I mean you know was Hayabusa like did was that planned or did that just happen like what was he just out of interest like did that did he think he was gonna you know uh, did, did they kind of know that it was going to be such a Um, I mean obviously the danger elements there of course but um, were they worried that it would leave permanent kind of scarring and permanent sort of um, you know Result it, I mean, let's put it bluntly, like, with it being a death match, could there be serious fatality? Could it have been a fatality? Or would was that not the case? Like, was Hayabusa scared of going into an element like that, which he'd never really been in before, let's put it that way?
2: He had been nervous prior to it, but then right as his music started to play, the nerves went... Like, he had been freaking out about it until the music started to play, and then he came to the ring, and he... he was able to calm down. Like it all went away. All the nerves went away and he had the match right as he got, like I said, pretty much going into the ring. So right before he was freaked out, there's no fear of death or anything, but there was fear of, Hey, I'm going to get burnt. I'm going to get torn up. I'm going to get cut up here, but you know what it was. You need to show that you're okay. Asushi Anita has gone through, you know, has thousands of stitches. He has shown that he, what he's willing to do. FNW is going to be your, you know, This is your promotion now. You need to show what you're willing to do. And so this was kind of Hayabusa's way of proving that he can be kind of like Onita on top of everything else. So it was – and essentially it was a way of paying his dues to become the ace, the promotion by going into the exploding barbed wire at the same time that a ring explodes. And as a result, you have all these burn marks and all these scars and all these stitches. But you know what? It helped the Hayabusa character. It made him, you know, it added to his look. He, I think a big reason why people liked Hayabusa so much is his, his look captured people. And I think the stitches and I think um, everything, you know, just right away, it, you know, like I said, it helped him in the long run, even though I'm sure short term, it sucked. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, you know, and I can agree as well that that look of him coming out with you know the huge shoulder pads and you know the white mask and everything, and you know the actual attire and the the whole lighting and everything, it just looked like such a, you know, it, it just made him look like such a unique. And with his mask as well, like you said, in his face paint, because that was do a thing as well. Hayabusa wore face paint didn't he as well as his mask as well which yeah. gave him a unique um look as well with his attire as opposed to being fully covered in a in a mask but it all just added to the whole mystique and excitement you know you couldn't not get behind someone like Hayabusa if you know you saw him going to the ring and what he put himself through in that particular match against them, um, Unita. so from there Hayabusa did essentially become the face of FMW and as you said you know it, it was a great time for FMW as well because you had the um mixture of the the death matches but you also had these great you know high flying matches and these great strong style matches and um for you and also for him what moments and or matches from that period stand out the most or what were the most exciting you know matches what took place during that period for him
2: well i just want to start off by saying you know like i said this is my favorite time period of fmw the new fmw with hayabusa but to be honest at the beginning it was really rough looking. Um, they had gone from 58,000 people sold out Kawasaki Stadium to about 200 fans at the next show wow. two weeks later with Hayabusa as lead because all the Onita fans left. And so they pretty much had to start from scratch, start a brand new promotion because all the Onita fans left, and it looked it looked dire at the beginning. It really looked like FMW wasn't going to make it because essentially, you know, you you built a promotion around one guy for six years, and now he's gone, and now here's a new guy which had not really been established, and he had just lost to Onita. He didn't. I mean. I, I feel bad saying this, he paid his dues, but, you know, the fans didn't come with him, to, you know, afterwards. They didn't, oh, look, at the, he went through the barb, exploding barbed wire. I want to see him wrestle again, you know. But he ended up, um, throughout the next couple weeks and, you know, the first couple months, he ended up debuting those moves we were talking about. He debuts the Phoenix Splash, which that stands out. That gets magazine um reporters you know attention and they start covering fmw it, he does the um does the firebird splash he does the shooting star press he also debuts the falcon arrow mm-hmm. um for the first time and so for these first couple months you know he's it's building up it's building up their um they're growing, you know. Like I said, they had to start from scratch, and so now they're growing. And he has a series of matches. It's a tournament. It's called the Grand Slam Tournament, where eight wrestlers, the top eight FMW wrestlers, fight against one another in a, uh, you know, kind of like the G1, you know, in a uh, yeah, round internet. robin tournament. And Hayabusa has a match against Mike. Awesome. And then, um, you know, in it, it, and I, I I personally like it. I know there were some mess ups and stuff, but then um, you know he ends up beating Mike Awesome, and then that leads to eventually the finals, and uh, again against Mike Awesome, and they sell out Corrigan Hall, and it's one of the biggest FMW. It's it's a big FMW match just for the meaning behind it because it kind of was a sign of hey this FMW, this new FMW with Hayabusa, it's gonna make it. They're selling out Corrigan Hall. The fan, you know, yeah the Onita fans are gone, but now there are new fans, and those are Hayabusa fans like Hayabusa now has his own fans and so after that series of the Grand Slam then there's the you know Hayabusa now okay he is established he has you know uh, he lost to Mike Awesome in the finals of that tournament but it established him as the guy even though Mike Awesome is the champion Hayabusa is the guy of of the promotion everyone knows that the promotion is FNW Hayabusa you come to see Hayabusa well Hayabusa through the tournament and other mess ups his body is already breaking down it's only been eight months or nine months but he has and so many injuries tallied up he has um he can't see even like he, he got poked in the eye in a match. And so now he's struggling to even see um, his, like I said, he's just having numerous injuries. I I've drawn a blank on, but it, essentially okay. he went to the doctor and the doctor told him, it's as if you went through a full on car crash, like how bad off your body is. You need to take a year off. So here Hayabusa is after literally Seven months of being this. I'm the guy. This promotion is mine. And now I'm being told I have to take a year off for injuries. Well, he goes, no, I, I got to keep wrestling. So he keeps wrestling. But he is just breaking down to where Shoshi Arai ends up telling him, like, no, you are not allowed to wrestle anymore. You cannot wrestle and you have to take a step back. We are going to you know, focus the promotion on other wrestlers, Masato Tanaka, Mike Austin. There's other people we can focus the f- promotion around. It doesn't have to just be about you. So Hayabusa ends up – and he ended up having to go and live in the hospital because of all the um, injuries he took or in, injuries that he was dealing with. Um, and he ended up living in the hospital, and he sees a newspaper – and sees the newspaper and sees that it's Sushi Onita criticizing him for missing time for being out of action. Wow. And Hayabusa, yeah, and you know, Onita going I never took time off for you know with all my injuries. So it's just added it just added on to crap, I want to wrestle. I I just can't. I'm being, not only should I not physically be able to, but I'm being told I can't and now here's sushi Onita pretty much um piling on on being like you're not a real ace you can't you're, you're taking time off real aces don't take time off
1: wow um that's pretty uh brutal not when you think about it and um you know it's um i mean it, it given when you do watch hayabusa and his actual style and you know the matches he did do and you know his um his, his actual um physical um matches themselves it's understandable that he would have so many injuries what we're racking up but i never knew they were to that um extent you know i never knew that was actually i mean i knew that he was he was banged up but not to that severity you know so that's um you know shocking to hear as well
2: well so the issue really was was um and and I read this in actually Mitsuhiro Matsunaga, Mr. Danger's book, um, who's another who's a deathmatch wrestler, who um, he respected Hayabusa, but they definitely had a difference in opinion on things. Matsunaga states, "Hey, here's, Hayabusa, here's what Hayabusa did wrong. He went all out on these house shows. He wanted to show like all these new fans, look what I can do, look at all these awesome moves and everything. Well, you're doing that daily. You're just killing yourself." And in front of 200, 300 fans and like, oh, you know, thinking, oh, these fans are going to come back for more, but he's feeling like it's not worth it. And so he's pretty much killing himself for a couple, you know, for, you know, like having a WrestleMania match on a house show. All every day and after so long that just kills you on top of he's doing high flying moves while being a heavyweight that's the thing that people forget most people just assume Hayabusa was a junior heavyweight no when he went to be with Mike Awesome he bulked up he was over 230 pounds yeah so he's six foot 230 pounds doing junior high flying moves every day on house shows and so yeah after seven months I'm trying to prove like look look what I can do this is what I can do come back his body, you know, like, I mean, yeah, just started breaking down from just multiple injuries.
1: It's, um, I mean, it's understandable given, like you've said, you know, the, um, way was wrestling that kind of a style in front of so many fans, but over such a short period of time, you know, like I had no idea it happened. So, um, so quickly, you know, Mm because what's interesting is, is that as you've just mentioned with, um, you know, Mike Corsum and and, um, and uh, Hayabusa is that, you know, during this time over in the United States for a lot of fans and, and Western fans, ECW kind of came up through the, you know, the, um, the independent promotion, the hardcore promotion, which rose up and became, you know, the number three promotion in the 90s and, you know, the sort of apex to a point was, um, heat wave 1998, which is one of the most historic shows in ECW history. If not the most in the, it's, it's argued it's the greatest pay-per-view in, um, ECW history. There were so many great matches on that show, um, including Mike awesome and Masato Tanaka from FMW, but the match, which probably is the most intriguing and probably the most, um, historic and probably the one which has the most sort of, uh, Mythology around it for a lot of fans, especially looking back now, is um, the match which took place between for the ECW tag titles between Rob Van Dam and Sabu against the Jinsei Shinzaki, aka Hakushi from uh, WWF, against um, and Hayabusa in a in a tag match for the ECW tag titles. I mean, um, when he was, I mean, how did that actually? come about was this you know quite soon after he'd been in hospital I mean if he was told he wasn't able to wrestle again how did he get able to go over to the United States what kind of led to that for a lot of fans who might that might have been for a lot of western fans for example that was probably a lot of their um first exposure to Hayabusa you know because a lot of people may not have not sit apart from tape traders seen
2: um FMW so he ended up being he was supposed to take a year off. He ended up taking seven months off. And so he came back. And he probably wasn't ready. Um, but he he knew. And the reason he also he, he knew when Onita made that comment, it wasn't just an insult. It was there was mo- there was a reason behind it. And he knew Onita was coming back. Onita was going to come out of retirement. And that became a whole issue because you just created a whole promotion around Hayabusa, and now here is Onita wanting to come back. And, and that, sure enough, is what happened. Onita broke his retirement after about a year and a half. He's coming out of retirement, and he wants the promotion to be focused around him. Hayabusa can't compete with that. Um, you know, even though the whole, I mean, it is a Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan situation where, okay, the whole promotion is based around Hulk Hogan. He leaves. It's now about Bret Hart. Well, now Hulk Hogan's back. We got to get it back to Hulk Hogan because the numbers are better with Hulk Hogan. Same thing with Onita and Hayabusa. The numbers, you know, oh, obviously the fans want Onita. you know, are going to co- cut those Onita fans that all left. They're going to come back. They all did not come back. But some fans did, but not as many because people were upset that Onita broke his retirement um, so soon. But Hayabusa knew Onita's the guy now. I can't compete with Onita because this—he created FMW. How am I? I'm gonna be above him? No. But you know what I can do? I can I can out wrestle Onita. And the way to show that is I want to wrestle in other promotions. And so he actually get and actually ends up being Onita. Ask Giant Baba. Can you have Hayabusa wrestle for All Japan? And so Hayabusa and uh, ends up beginning to work All Japan shows and to showcase a new audience wow. my style, my high flying style. He ends up getting put in the tag team with Jinzei Shinzaki, like you said, Hakushi. They become a tag team. They have matches against Tag Team matches against Misawa, Mitsuharu Misawa, Toshiaki Kawada, Kenta Kobashi. This series of matches, FNW and All Japan now have a working relationship with one another that then turns into that then eventually you know hey you're doing other you're doing outside promotion shows um fmw and ecw they're working together Um, masada tanaka he is working in ecw Uh, mike awesome comes on his off tours um as a result you know every so often some uh, ecw wrestlers will come to a big fmw show well paul Heyman, you know hey come on you know i want I want Hayabusa and uh Shinzaki to come over for this show to you know go up against Rob Van Dam and Sabu and um the you know Hayabusa doesn't really talk too much about this match other than um sabu actually uh ended up paying for them um to come over there it ended up being sabu and sabu actually ended up uh getting picking them up and then getting pulled over for speeding and the cops <laughs> looking through everything that day a- after a 14-hour flight to ohio <laughs> the next thing you know now you're pulled over for- by the cops because sabu was going too fast and um but uh You know, I'm sure it was such a boom-boom because um, he was only there for like a day or two uh, in America. But, you know, there was definitely some jet-lagged. Lots of different opinions about the match. Um, Hayabusa messed up on a spot, and the one thing that sticks with him is that the fans chanted, you fucked up at him. And he actually liked it. Like, okay, now I'm, you know, one with the promotion. I'm getting the you fucked up chant. (laughs) So he actually liked that. But, um, like I said, I think there was some jet lag. Uh, many different opinions about this match. I watched it recently. I thought the match was good until it fell apart at the end. Um, yeah. And I think there was just some me- miss- mess ups and mix ups. And you know Hayabusa. I mean Hayabusa also had a kind of a. I mean all four of them, especially but obviously Hayabusa and Sebu, they have high highs and low lows. And there's a lot of mess up. You know there's mess ups and and screwed up spots and both, you know, obviously everyone makes fun of Sabu, but you know, Hayabusa would gladly admit, Hey, there were some, I screwed up a lot of times in matches as well. And they're just, you know, it just kind of came, like I said, the first half of the match is really good and then it just kind of falls apart. And, um, you know, Sabu and Rob Van Dam end up getting the win and that ended up being it for Hayabusa and Shinzaki, um, as they just couldn't really go to ECW too often because, FNW could afford to give Tanaka up for time periods, but they could not afford to give up Hayabusa because, like I said, the promotion so much of it was based around Hayabusa that you couldn't take, couldn't have him even with Onita on the shows. They couldn't afford to take Hayabusa off for long periods of time. So this was the only time he really could do it because FNW was off tour. He, you know, he um, and you know, and ECW, like I said, they were getting Masato Tanaka for the most part anyway. That was pretty much the big part of the agreement anyway.
0: Yeah, the Gremlin Arcade. Hands off the merchandise. Dig it, ladies and gentlemen. Retro style style wrestling wrestling action figures from Jellatoys.net. Bring the legends, the present, and the future back to the classics. CellaToys.net.
1: Yeah, um, you know, it, it makes sense that I, I agree that the match does fall apart as, you know, time, the, the match does go on and, you yeah. know. And a lot of people and...
2: love it. A lot of people, I've heard, I've heard people go, this was a great match. I've heard people go, this match was horrible. I've heard so many opinions over the last <laughs> 20 years. That's why I'm like, I was like, I'm going to watch this match again and really give a fair, you know, this is how I feel opinion. And that's what I thought, like, wow, this is really good. What, oh, there it is. There's the match falling <laughs> apart right there.
1: It's it's good though that Hayabusa you know felt accepted in that the you know fans were chanting you yeah. up and you know that he and just I mean I, th- I think part of it as well is just that actually having it's such a kind of kudos thing that you know Hayabusa was in ECW and especially when he was looking across the ring from Sabu when they are kind of parallels of one another in attire and the styles you know they're always kind of um, mentioned in. Mm-hmm in likeness to one another because they are very um, similar in many ways. Mm-hmm. And um, as you mentioned, with him going across to all Japan as well, with the, you know, relationship with FMW, that gives another, um, and the tag matches as well, which are phenomenal. You know, those those matches with the four pillars and, you know, the stuff they were doing over there was just crazy, you know, and the the way, and like you said, that that's where you can see that Hayabusa was, a heavyweight in a sense in that, you know, he was able to wrestle the strong style and he was able to wrestle the King's road as they know, as it's called the King's road style, which is a lot more physical and a lot more kind of hard hitting, but bringing this, you know, um, this style he brought from FMW, you know, like the Falcon arrows and the shooting star presses and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that was a really exciting time as well. So when, um, after the ECW experience and things, and, I mean, at this point, was Onita still in FMW or had Onita by this point? Had he left? And then when uh, Hayabusa came back, was it kind of another blank canvas for him to, you know, go with FMW into, you know, the 2000s? What kind of happened there from that period of time with the Onita situation?
2: So heatwave was August 1998, and Onita left FNW in November 1998. So it was about three months um, after a heatwave, and what ended up happening was Onita came up with an idea of I'm going to start my own promotion, and but I and it was just this big fight between Onita. I mean, internally between Onita and Hayabusa, uh, where Onita goes, you know, because there were here's the thing. Shoshi Arai, the FMW owner, like I said, he was full on Hayabusa. He was on Team Hayabusa. That the reason Hayabusa was the main guy from the beginning was because of Shoshi Arai. Onita though started FMW. Onita gave Arai his job originally, so there's loyalty there. But now here's this like political fight between the two of Hey, I'm the ace. No, I'm the ace. So Onita goes, you know what? How about this? How about I create my own promotion? And everybody but Hayabusa wrestles in it. So it will literally be a Hayabusa FMW and an Asushi Onida FMW. But the Asushi Onida FMW, all the money is going to go to Asushi Onida. None of it will actually go to FMW or Shoshi Arai or anything like that. And Shoshi Arai goes to the FMW wrestlers like, okay – We're done, you know. Are we all done with Onita? Okay, we're all done with Onita, and all the FMW wrestlers—they don't want to go with Onita anymore. They all side with Hayabusa, and so they all get together and and Onita and tell Onita, hey, come to um, come to the FMW office, and Onita comes to the FMW office, and there's all the FMW wrestlers sitting there, and Arai goes, Onita, we want you to leave. Like we are not going to work. We're not going to work for your FMW. You know, your promotion we want you to leave fmw and onita's like all right okay i guess that's it and so onita leaves fmw and now the promotion is going to be completely based on around hayabusa problem is fm fmw around this time period was now picked up by direct tv um, to be kind of like hey this is you're going to be our main program we're going to pay you millions of dollars uh, to be you know the uh, to be on our channel which not that many people have but we're going to pay you millions of dollars but direct tv is mostly known as an american company it's an american company but it's branching off to japan we want to be we want you to be like american wrestling so you need to be like wwf wcw like this entertainment sports entertainment stuff and so fmw shoshi arai gets in touch with koto fuyuki who is a longtime wrestler, uh, 20 plus years in in wrestling, but he loved WWF. He loved that style, what they were doing, the Vince Russo, Vince McMahon style, you know. And we want you to be the booker. We want you to be the focus, the promotion. Hayabusa, are you okay with this? And Hayabusa's like, you know what? Yeah, because we need to differentiate ourselves from Onita. We need to become Onita's gone now. We need to be a different promotion than what people think of Onita FMW. If we can establish a new, you know, FMW, then people won't think Onita FMW. They'll think Hayabusa FMW, or they'll think other things. You know, we need to get away from the death matches. So let's, we're all in. Everyone's all in on this, on this American wrestling, this sports entertainment. It fails horribly. A lot of it is because it was not, well, like, a lot of, you know, bad skits, a lot of bad acting, a lot of just bad storylines. They didn't really know, okay, you know, like, they're just, like, it's as if you put a fan in um, and try to create, you know, WWF storylines at the time. You know, oh, here's this guy's girlfriend, things like that, but it's amateur writers. And so it was pretty bad. The wrestling still was good. Hayabusa's still having really good matches and everything, but you know this it's it's just a completely different FMW at this point and it loses a lot of fans a lot of fans you know leave because it's just not what they're into it's it's not capturing the fans uh interest and so you know they've pretty much just redone the promotion essentially for a third time and this this one's just not that popular and they slowly are dying they're slowly losing fans they're slowly slowly lose, uh, slowly losing fans <laughs> well at this time Hayabusa, having done all these high-flying moves, doing 450s every night, his elbows are killing him, and he needs to take six months off. So now you're you're already in a decline. Well, now the you pretty much you know like I said you got rid of Onita to focus on around Hayabusa, and you know that's what they've been doing for the last couple years. But now after now Hayabusa needs time off, and so Hayabusa takes off for six months to reco- to get double reconstructive elbow surgery, and FMW just goes down the toilet. Again, the shows were already kind of, mm, but there were still some great matches. Well, now the writing's even probably worse. Now the matches aren't as good. Now you don't have Hayabusa and everything is just going down the tank. They are losing money rapidly. It is a promotion that should have been closed down at this point because they are losing millions of dollars. But hey, the the end of the rainbow is Hayabusa is going to come back. So Hayabusa comes back After six months, and the promotion is already kind of a shell of itself. It's already, like I said, it's lost millions of dollars. It should have closed down already when he was gone. But he's going to try and bring this promotion back, and he works for another five-plus months or so, and... He has a match. It was really difficult because it was a really difficult tour already. They had screwed up the tour. They, they mismanaged it. Shows three hours away. Next day, okay, now we're like, we're, like essentially they got on a bus and had a show and then they get back on the bus and drive four hours Then the next and have a show. Then the next day, drive another four hours. Like the, the tour was insane. So Hayabusa, during this tour, he gets sick. So he's tired. He's sick. He's banged up. He has a, you know, he thinks about calling off. Like, I'm not well. I, But you know what? I'm the ace. I'm the main focus of the promotion. You know, I mean, Onita made fun of me or insulted me when I took off that one time. I need to wrestle. So he wrestles a match against Mama Sasaki. And he re- knows right away, like, I'm not good. This, like, there's something wrong. There's something off about me. And about 10 minutes into that match, he tries an Acai moonsault the lion salts off the middle rope and ends up falling and landing on his head and becomes paralyzed.
1: Yeah. Um, horrible. Even even talking about it, it's horrible. Um, for, you know, when when you actually see it, um, it's, I mean, you see injuries in wrestling and you see when people get hit on the head or they get, you know, they land on the head. But they, that was just, you know, just different and shocking, you know, absolutely. And, and tragic, you know, like, I don't like to use the word, but it was tragic that, you know, it was in, that you actually saw, you know, the fact that you can, I can still remember, although I didn't see it at the time, I remember seeing that actual recording and just the the kind of shock at uh, what had happened. And, you know, I mean, um, it's such a tragic end to his wrestling career that it ended in such a, A terrible way you know and the fmw by that point had become such a it had been built around his work and his legacy and then it had kind of become such a shell of itself which is such a tragedy you know such a tragedy in itself because you know it, it was all the intention as you just said to you know keep going and to hopefully help it like the phoenix or the falcon it was you know rise it from the ashes once again but it wasn't it wasn't to be and um you know, it's such a, a shame that, um, a, a terrible shame that he was injured how he was. And um, you know, I mean, when Hayabusa was um, paralyzed and he wasn't, um, you know, able to wrestle. I mean, for those people who don't know as well, like it, it literally did. I, it did fully paralyze his. Um, lower half, I mean, I, I don't know fully, I know he um, was able to move the top half of his body, but he wasn't able to walk as well as, he wasn't able to walk for several years, was he, and, and fully So he could spend to,
2: yeah. it, it took about 10 months or so, because he had, yeah, so he was they told him he was going to be, not be able to walk at all, but after a month or so, and also he dealt with um, being in the hospital and having uh, germs get inside him while living in the hospital to where he needed open heart surgery. And so he would have had to deal with that before he could even try the recovery aspect. So there was that aspect. Then it was, okay, after uh, so long, he did start to have feeling in his fingers and whatnot. So that was the sign of like, okay, I'm not going to be completely paralyzed, bedridden for the rest of my life, which that was the original thought. And then after about 10 months of re- rehabilitation, he was able to walk. And then a couple months after that – he, or sorry, he was able to stand up. And then a couple months after that, he was able to walk um, – and uh, I mean, he co- he could walk with a cane and whatnot for the majority of his life. It's just obviously a lot easier in a wheelchair.
1: Yeah, um, you know, because um, we kind of th- th- they were jumping slightly. But one of the I don't remember which which show it actually was. But like I said in the questions, I remember um, seeing a particular video of um, of Hayabusa when he and um, I remember there was. A yeah. lot of the FMW, yeah, you know, it's sure. I mean, and... and well, there, yeah, there was actually, multiple... Oh, sorry. There was a couple... No, no, yeah, where he, he actually walked from his chair and was able to get into the ring, and, you know, I remember seeing it online, and, you know, just even now, you know, the, the actual tears are kind of beginning to well up mm-hmm. now, seeing that, you know, such a inspirational thing to, for someone to... You know, doing just the respect from everybody and just the emotion, what it emitted and just how brave he was to be able to, to do that. I mean, you know, such courage and such an inspiration in terms of, you know, him. I mean, his career in itself was an inspiration, but for him to be able to do that after what happened to him, I mean, you know, how As a, as a, this is kind of as a fan, not about his career, but for you, what was that like with you, de- dedicating your life essentially to chronicling his his life? Essentially, what was that like for you, seeing that firsthand?
2: Um. Well, no, I mean, so like I said, he there, there was multiple stages of that because, like I said, like after about a year or so, he was walking, so I knew he could walk, and and I, I've spent not you know I've spent uh several nights hanging out with him, and so yeah. I, I was able to see you know like him walk you know, and, and whatnot. So, I mean, like it it wasn't unknown to me at the time, but yeah, there was two different ones where that, the first one I think meant a lot more to him and just in general, which was, um, because I'm, I'm, I don't know which one exactly you're referring to. So there's one where uh, he walked to the ring and they kind of helped him into the ring. And that was with Kinsei Sensaki. That was with Finn Balor. That was with the great Sasuke um, in the ring with him. And then, uh, and no Maskers, ironically enough, his first childhood favorite wrestler <laughs> is in the ring there. And, and Tenru. And so, there was that one, which that one was a really cool scene. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited and super happy that he got to do it. Then there was one four years later, um, and that was for a telethon for, um, for people with handicaps, mental and physical. And it was pretty much, like I said, a telethon to help raise money for it and everything. But that was a TV spectacle. And a lot of people – that was where a lot of people saw. That was um, him – come to the ring and then he literally walked up the stairs himself Yeah. while other wrestlers are cheering for him and everything but he actually had a bad taste in his mouth from that one because then they started ringing the tin bell salute as if he was retiring and he did not give the okay for that so he was actually really upset that they did that to him Um, so like I said, it kind of left a sour taste in his mouth, even though if you show the video, like you post that video online, it'll get thousands of likes because yeah, it looks inspirational and it is, it's super inspirational. And, and like I said, he actually was able to walk to the ring for the first time by himself, which, um, you know, like I said, it was just for a TV show though. I mean, that's what I've been told. Like it was a TV show. Okay. Yeah. You know, but again, it, what it showed was amazing. And I mean, I'm glad That he did it, even though, like I said, there was a sour taste in his mouth from that one. But, um, you know, he ended up dying not less than a year later after that. So, um, and that was something that he wanted to do. You know, he wanted to walk to the ring. And he told me even when I was sitting there with him. And he's like, and this was 2013. he goes, in five years, I'm going to walk to the ring in a Hayabusa outfit. And I'm going to be introduced as Hayabusa one last time so that wow. was goal. Cool. like he was gonna come to the ring and and then you know maybe he would retire or something like that but he didn't you know he didn't like that that tv show kind of took it upon themselves to oh he's retiring you know for the tv purposes but like i said um i mean both were really awesome and you know and both were um you know uh i mean like i said if you showed it online you're going to get numerous n- people going wow that's amazing every time you show it because it is and um you know and i'm like i said i'm glad he was able to do it uh especially even that last one um right before his death because it was something that really you know sticks with people and it does help motivate people even though he might not have liked it it did help you know it did motivate a lot of people it did it was a special feeling for a lot of people
1: yeah um, I have I have seen both videos actually, and I I, um, I remember the the one which sticks out more vividly is the more recent one, but I do remember the one with uh, Mil Máscaras in the ring and uh, yeah. Tenryu, and you know the same f- feelings and emotions of that just you know just grabbed me, you know, in that such a emotional you know moment and. You know, very. I'm not ashamed to say that I that I cried at it. You know, I think it's just one of those where it just is very, for someone you followed for a long time to then see them achieve such a you know amazing thing. You can't help but be, you know, moved by mm-hmm. Hayabusa's inspiration. You know, and it's interesting as well that um you mention about meeting Hayabusa um after um you know he kind of um was injured and things and because one of so you kind of met him but one of the things what Hayabusa did do once he kind of had to, you know, retire from wrestling in one sense because he was you know, because he was injured was he became he did different projects and one of them was actually um singing and he actually has a lovely I mean I've heard videos of him online singing and he's he has a lovely voice. Um did he enjoy being able to bring joy to people through singing and had singing been something he'd always enjoyed doing or, um, how did that kind of come about?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, that was something he always, uh, it was something that was always a part of him and it was something that he enjoyed doing. And it was also just a way of like, Hey, uh, you know, I can, this is something I could do. This is something that I'm good at. I mean, he wasn't selling out, you know, stadiums or anything obviously but they were small little venues um you know bars and, and whatnot and you know the real hardcore Hayabusa fans they'd be there every month or every other you know every other couple of weeks to see him and you know so he'd do a concert and then afterwards which you know you didn't know I didn't know about it at the time but like holy crap it's okay let's all hang out afterwards for the rest of the night and so yeah. he does a concert and and um you know, afterwards, after, you know, doing something after, you know, an hour and a half of singing, then it's, let's watch some Hayabusa tapes. And so like the, uh, the second time I hung out with them or the first time I, which was the first time I um, went to his concert, it was me and him. Uh, he, I just sat next to him and we watched Hayabusa tapes for hours while he's just <laughs> talking to me about these matches and everything. And so like, that's always something that's going to stick with me as one of the coolest moments of just, you know, his reaction to matches that I've seen a thousand times and everything. So, but you know, the, you know, it was just this really great way of, like, really getting to interact with him, getting to really know him. The, the, the last time I um, met with him I hung I was was after a concert, and he specifically called for me to come sit next to him. And he just starts telling me about his life and just starts talking to me about everything in English. And, uh, you know, again, yeah. another really cool moment that I got to experience. And uh, sadly enough, I actually was planning on going to a concert uh, in 2016 right and, but then he ended up passing away that year um, I had planned out a trip and then literally like that month he ended up passing away I was hoping to do another time because those were really cool amazing experiences for me um, personally of getting to just sit there and pick his brain ask him questions uh, still to this day there's stuff I wish oh, I wish I would have asked him this I could uh, no one else is going to know this answer no one else remembers he had a great memory he could recall stuff that I can't get answers from anyone else and so that, you know, just stuff like that. It just, um, you know, like I said, there's regret. I didn't ask certain questions, but it's still an amazing time. I'm still super happy that I at least got to experience it. And, you know, like I said, get to know him on a personal level as well.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such an incredible story that you were able to meet him and get to know him in such a, you know, an intimate way. And they had that level of trust in you, like I said, before we even started this interview, you know, being able to um, have the opportunity to interview you knowing how you've chronicled Hayabusa's career is you know a huge privilege uh, for me as a as a fan of you know both of you him him and yourself you know and as you said he Hayabusa sadly sadly did uh, pass away in uh, 2016 and you know I remember reading about it and you know it, it upset it upset me given you know everything like you said what I'd happened with his you know being injured and and things and you know i think like you said that i just wanted to see him come to the ring one more time and you know in his attire and everything and you know we can we can all dream of that and we can go back and we can watch those tapes and watch those matches and enjoy them And, and his work will you know live forever because he just was such a unique wrestler in a sense in that there was nobody else like hayabusa and what would you say Hayabusa's um, legacy actually is in the wrestling world for for you? What how would you define his legacy? Uh,
2: I mean, I would just say uh, innovation. I mean, the moves the um, that he introduced. I mean, so many wrestlers use a lot of his moves, a lot of his offense, that style. Um, it's you know just that crispness that he brought. Um, I you know he also so, what I also really liked about Hayabusa was, you know, he knew he was coming from the, from Onita's FMW. This is FMW. He kind of took a, he kind of took some pages from Onita. That passion, that um, going all out. You know, Onita, they always they call him the Charisma of Tears. Well, Hayabusa kind of tried to be that as well, and he didn't do a he didn't do a bad job of it. And you know, he showed that emotion. He showed that passion. That's the stuff that really stuck with me on top of the moves, the looks, the you know, the matches and and whatnot. But you know, he really, I, I've always I've always say this. It's like wh- why I loved FMW was because there was passion there was true like they are going all out they're doing they're giving their hearts here and that's what meant so much to me for Hayabusa you knew he was giving his heart in the ring I mean we just talked about it how hey he's in front of 250 fans and he's doing all these moves and it's not even being taped or anything but he's going to go all out he's showing you know he's trying to do everything he can he's busting his ass he's injuring himself for this promotion he's i mean he literally died for FMW essentially so to have that passion to have that love to to give everything you can that's the kind of stuff that sticks with me i i mean there's not that many wrestlers that really just you know go all out and just do everything they can to try and help the promotion that they can possibly do and you know that's what sticks out to me also on top of just everything else is just he just this passion that he had for this business, that what he was willing to sacrifice, what he was willing to give to it. And I mean, that's why I want to keep, I want to do interviews like this, where I want people to know, Hey, you know, he, yeah, he died five years ago. Yeah. His career ended 20 years ago now, but you know what? He still was one of a kind. He still was an amazing wrestler and an amazing person. And he should be celebrated for everything he gave to this business.
1: Absolutely. I don't think there's any better way to, Finish the interview than than that Brett thank you so much for joining me for this um celebration of Hayabusa to go in line with the official cello toys release of his uh, figurine um it's been absolutely fantastic thank you so much thank you for having me oh no thank you the the thanks all come from me and from the uh cello toys podcast and um just to remind everyone as we did at the beginning um the actual hayabusa figure um it does look fantastic um and brett can vouch for that as he said at the beginning of the podcast um they have been shipping out in the past few weeks so um if you go over to cellotoys.net you can find out all the ordering info and you can find out all the details of how to order yourself one and um, put it on your shelf as well, and then look at it with pride at um, you know celebrating the career and life of Hayabusa. So um, once again, thank you, Brett, for joining uh, joining me, and keep safe as well. Thank you. No, you you're too. welcome. Ah, oh, thank you. And just to finish off, you can find Brett on Twitter at B A H U F M W. That's B A H U F M W. You can also find his work on his website, which is also B A H U F M W dot And you can also find Brett's work regarding FMW and Higher Booster on YouTube at Brett F M W. So thanks once again, Brett.